Hello, everyone. It's your lovable host of Joey's Totally Tech, Joey Cagle. And I'm your hateable co-host, Antonio Guerra. AMD announces Zen 3 processors and RX 6000 graphics cards. Apple's ending sales of third-party audio gear ahead of their AirPods Studio headphones. There's a way to run macOS apps on Linux now? And Google and Oracle are at it in court over programming APIs. The outcome could wildly change things in your digital life. Sony is using digital... digital metal? No, liquid metal! Sorry guys, in their PS5. And NASA is working on new spacesuits. All this and more because it's time for the news and commentary on Joey's Totally Tech. Welcome to the October 12th, 2020 edition of the Joey's Totally Tech Tech News and Commentary, though it could possibly be released a little late. Sorry, guys. Let's get this started with the general tech news. AMD announces Zen 3 and Ryzen 5000 series CPUs. AMD launched the Zen 3 architecture and unveiled their new range of Ryzen 5000 series desktop processors. We can expect higher IPCs, a new core layout, new cache technology, and CPUs ranging up to 16 cores and 32 threads. Zen 3 has a 19% IPC increase over Zen 2, a significant jump for AMD. The architecture also reduces latency from accelerated cord and cache communication, leading to twice as much accessible L3 cache per core. Compared to their competition, Intel, AMD promises up to 2.8 times more performance per watt with Zen 3 powered processors. The highest end announced was the AMD Ryzen 9 5950X processor, with 16 cores and 32 threads at $799. The lower end announced so far is an AMD Ryzen 5 5600X with 6 cores and 12 threads at $299. They didn't announce any Ryzen 3 processors yet, but I'm sure they're still going to come to that. These new processors will be compatible with AMD 500 series motherboards after a BIOS update. Most major motherboard manufacturers have already begun releasing their Zen 3 supporting BIOS updates, so you can get your system ready before the November 5th launch. Are you getting a new Zen 3? Uh, I don't even have the right motherboard for that. This is actually, in my desktop computer, I'm using an old server motherboard, believe it or not. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, got a Xeon... uh, Gosh, I can't even remember right at the moment. I knew this. It's that old I built you forgot, it. huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it works well for me. But yeah, it seems to have slipped my mind what it is the X3430, if I remember correctly. Okay, that's no problem. Yeah. All right, so Apple is considering a foldable iPhone with a self healing display. So in January, Apple filed a patent for a foldable smartphone that has self healing display, which repairs dents and scratches on the screen. The self-healing properties would automatically activate with heat, light, or electric current to repair a protective layer above the screen when the device is being charged or on a schedule. 
Samsung, Motorola, and some other companies have released foldable phones, but they suffer from screen durability issues. LG had a device with a self-healing rear cover, but it was found to not be very effective. However, this conceptual phone from Apple doesn't appear to be releasing anytime soon. You know, I want a phone that I could just throw up against the wall and break it, and it heals itself. You mean magic? You want magic? Yes, I want magic. I mean, if I had magic, I don't think I'd waste it on phone technology. Yeah. Uh, we need Harry Potter. What about what about the Bible though? The Bible. Well, um... <laughs> are you can, are you uh, are you on the foldable display train? What do you think about that? Um, I'm not that into foldable phones. I don't have one, but they're kind of expensive, and I don't really see the point, honestly. And I guess it like doubles the size of your screen. Yeah, there's that. I mean, that's kind of cool, I guess, but. It's not enough for me to pay however much more it is for that. See, I want the 3D pop-out holographic screen. I think that'd be cool. That would be cooler. I'm still not sure I'd pay for it, but that would be cooler. Well, you know, in about 20 years, it'll just be, you know, redundant technology, so who cares, right? Right, right. So, Apple is going to end sales of third-party audio accessories ahead of their AirPod Studio announcement. Apple will no longer stock third parties such as Bose, Sonos, and Logitech. The company is believed to be releasing their own over-ear headphones called AirPod Studio later this year. AirPod Studio will be able to customize its shape to the wearer and will feature an advanced equalizer aimed at professional users. They're expected to announce these headphones at a special event this month, along with their new line of iPhones. So you're going to get some uh, AirPod Studios with your new iPhone 12? No, I don't need them right now. <laughs> yeah, you just get these new headphones that work pretty well, don't yeah. you? <laughs> I, I'm not even getting an iPhone 12. <laughs> yeah, I might get one in like 20 years. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Once the prices come down and um, it's obsolete. You know, I'm still rocking the OG 6S. So. Yeah. Yeah, I've got my success, and I'm happy with it, other than battery life. Is that the key to your success? I gave him the success. It was my turn. Yeah, Lisa gave me the success, actually. Bro, you stuff my joke. <laughs> I'm sorry, I missed the joke. I said, is that the secret to your success? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, I missed it. All right. All right. Oh. Apple's high-speed iPhone 12 invite sparks speculation. Apple sent out invitations for its high-speed event for October 13th, which is tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. The tagline is a clear reference at 5G connectivity in the A14 processor for the iPhone 12. Reports suggest that 5G will be available for the entire iPhone 12 lineup. There are rings displayed on the invite which may reference some possible new products, like a smaller HomePod with Siri control, Apple's AirTag item trackers, or the new AirPod Studio over-ear headphones. This event may include news about the Apple Silicon transition for the Mac lineup as well, but those announcements might be delayed until November. Yeah, that's interesting how Apple is very mysterious about this uh, new product they're uh, doing, apparently. I guess they're just kind of trying to drum up, drum up uh, business and speculation for it, you know? Yeah, maybe. What if the rings are nothing? That could be possible. Maybe the rings are a lie, just like that cake. Yeah. You can now run macOS software on Linux systems using Darling. In news, Apple may not want you to hear. With Darling, you can run macOS software on Linux. 
without using a hardware emulator. The program implements a complete Darwin environment and attempts to fully integrate apps, so they will run like native Linux apps. It currently only has experimental support for simple graphical applications, and it does not violate Apple's EULA. I think that's cool. It sounds very similar to Wine for both Linux and uh, Mac OS. Is that like a like a Windows emulator kind of? Uh, well, technically, it's not an emulator. It's an application layer that sits on top of Linux or Mac OS and runs uh, Windows programs. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, I've seen people with like... Uh that run like mac os like on their windows and stuff like that mm-hmm. so i guess are you excited about coming to linux are you gonna check it out or i mean i'm on linux now i'm, I'm going to check out uh darling eventually but right now it's uh only running more simple graphical applications wine started off with the same thing in fact wine still has trouble running certain programs uh but they've been trying to keep up with Windows for years. They're catching up pretty well now. Yeah, I got you. But, um, yeah, it's uh, just... It's different from running it in actual Windows. I'm going to see at some point how Darling works on Linux. That sounds really cool. There's also uh, Anbox, which I've not gotten to work, but that runs Android applications own Linux as well. Okay, I got you. Yeah, for some reason, I've never gotten Anbox to work. I don't know why I can't get it to work. It's one of the mysteries of the universe, man. Yes, it is. Google's Daydream VR platform is dead. The VR platform from Google, which launched in 2016. And I knew nothing about it, honestly. Yeah, honestly, neither did I. But apparently, this VR platform launched in 2016. It was only updated once since its launch. There have been less apps available for the platform over the years. Google has announced it's no longer supporting Daydream. While Daydream may not work on Android 11, third-party apps could still work for a while. Some apps may still work, but the apps will no longer be maintained. You know, I've noticed Google has a tendency to launch services, and then some services they just don't do anything with for a while. And they could be really good services, and then they'll eventually discontinue it. I think it's just kind of. I think they just launch things just to do them and see if it see what happens, and then you know it's Google. If it doesn't work out, what the heck? They'll yeah. be okay. Like like yeah. remember Google Glass. Oh yeah, I remember that. Dumbest looking thing ever. <laughs> yeah, but I hate it when they launch something that's good and then they discontinue it because for whatever reason. I yeah. guess it wasn't making them money or yeah, if you don't have enough consumer support. They yeah. Don't know. Or maybe people were using it, but they just weren't that interested in keeping it updated. That could I, be it, too. I don't know. I really don't know. Well, they have like a million times more money than we do, so they're doing something right. True. <laughs> Alphabet, which is Google's parent company, and SoftBank's solar-powered drone provides first LTE connection. The companies ran a stable LTE connection from a solar-powered drone, 62,000 feet high. The connection was used to make an international video call between Japan and the U.S. Alphabet's Loon provided the communications payload while SoftBank's Haps Mobile built the aircraft. The Sun Glider is a huge solar-powered drone which is designed to fly for months at a time. It looks like a huge wing 
powered by 10 propellers. We've previously mentioned Alphabet Loon and how they plan to provide internet to many countries in Africa. So they're trying to use drones to give people internet access? Yes, particularly in third world countries where they don't have affordable internet. Yeah. At least at high speeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're kind of like a little mini Starlink almost. Kind of, which we're going to get Starlink soon. Okay, okay. I can't wait. All right, so Google versus Oracle over APIs. The Supreme Court's eight justices heard arguments on Wednesday about whether APIs are protected by copyright law. Oracle argues that Google infringed on the copyright in the Java programming language when it re-implemented Java APIs for use by Android app developers. The stakes are high for Google, which may owe Oracle billions in damages, an Oracle win could reshape how copyright laws treats a, how copyright law treats APIs as well, giving incumbents the ability to lock out competitors who want to build compatible software. In the past decades before this, most people in the software industry assumed that APIs couldn't be copyrighted. That meant a software company was able to re-implement APIs of a competitor's product in order to enable software, which has which was designed to work with the competitor's product to work with their own. A win for Oracle would generate extra work for copyright lawyers and uh, lead to a world where software company, sorry, software compatibility problems crop up more often. It can also infect the livelihoods of computer programmers that might find that they are more frequently forced to learn new languages or other tools when they switch jobs. Many people feel Google's lawyer did a horrible job making the arguments. Google re-implemented Java in Android rather than developing a new programming language from scratch. Google wrote the code to execute Java programs according to the same specifications of Sun's official Java software. Sun Software at the time was okay with this, but they were eventually Bob at Oracle, who was not okay with this. Yeah, and this is going to suck if Google loses, honestly. And I'm no huge Google fan by any means, but this is going to suck because there's been a lot of assumptions made from decades about how software developers write their code, and we take for granted the fact that Google Docs, for example, can open Microsoft Word documents or yeah. LibreOffice, you know? Yeah. What's going to happen all of a sudden when uh, the Supreme Court, if they roll this way, they roll APIs are copyrightable? Yes, Bill and Melinda have a few more money, a little bit more money for their uh, foundation. Yeah. Well, I don't know that Bill and Melinda are going to sue over it, but Satya Nadella, the current CEO of CEO, uh, uh, the current CEO of Microsoft, yeah. could. <laughs> so Qualcomm, a chip maker, is going to launch premium Snapdragon branded phones. Qualcomm plans to enter the smartphone market, partnering with ASUS to manufacture and distribute the phones globally. They intend to create ultra premium Snapdragon Android phones. ASUS already makes their own line of gaming smartphones. Qualcomm chips are found in the majority of Android phones in the U.S., but the company doesn't have direct sales channels with carriers. So we'll see how Qualcomm plans to handle their, uh, how to market their devices, rather. An official announcement is expected during the Snapdragon Tech Summit in December. I was about to say September, but we're already past that. It was like everyone's trying to get a piece of the telecom pie, man. Right. I I don't know how big these Qualcomm phones are going to be, though. Like, 
they're a chip maker. No one knows them as a phone manufacturer. Maybe Asus, but I, I don't really see that many Asus phones, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I see, obviously, mostly iPhones and Androids. Like, I don't think I've ever seen, like, a Google Pixel in the wild. I don't think I've ever yeah. seen, like, a Windows phone. Well, so, I mean, I've I seen... Know. Well, I've had a Windows phone before, actually. But I've seen Google Pixels and stuff. But, like, I haven't seen anyone with a phone that says Asus on it. Yeah. I, yeah. guess, I guess that's not the mark of excellence we're looking for, you know? Yeah. But, um... Yeah, apparently Asus is going to have that. I'm, I wasn't even aware that Asus themselves made phones. Yeah, I'm sure they're making a whole bunch of stuff we don't know about. True, true. All right, so NVIDIA is trying to make video calls better with AI. NVIDIA Maxine is an AI-powered suite of tools for video chat, which features camera adjustment, resolution upscaling, background noise removal, facial reorientation, avatars, real-time closed captioning and translation, and more. Developers are able to use the suite to add features to their apps. Maxine's video compression is able to reduce the bandwidth required by 90% compared to H.264. This technology uses the NVIDIA Tensor's core CPU acceleration on cloud servers, so apps can still use these features even without advanced hardware. Developers can now apply for early access. Yeah, I think that's going to be really cool. That's going to definitely improve the quality of your video chats. It won't look so grainy or pixelated. And uh, the sound is going to be that much better. It's going to be able to remove the background sound. I know uh, NVIDIA already has RTX Voice, I think it's called now, where it can remove the background noise if you have an RTX graphics card, which I do not. I have an AMD RX 460. I guess pretty soon our Zoom calls can look like you know, 4K high def super audio stuff. Sweet. <laughs> I don't even have a 4K monitor. Oh, <laughs> you should get one. They're they're I, all the rage. I know. Yeah, Tesla dissolves its PR department, a first in the industry. Tesla has dissolved their PR department, and they're now the first automaker who doesn't talk to the press. The company has not responded to the press inquiries in months. The team was dissolved after Keely Saprizio, the head of PR and communications at Tesla, left to join Impossible Foods last December. PR managers are still working in Tesla's European and Asian markets and test drive promotions for YouTube. There was no official reason given for this move, despite Elon Musk's past complaints about unfair treatment by the press. So, no PR department. What do you think about that? I don't know. It seems almost like a cowardly move to me. That's just my opinion. I don't know. I think it's kind of ballers. It's kind of like, yeah, we don't talk to the press. If you don't like it, sorry. There's no PR department to complain to. (laughs) Yeah, wimps. I think it's kind of like one of those things where it's just like, if you want to like contact a company, you have to like write them an email. You can't like pick up the phone and call anybody. So, it's kind of like, yeah, we don't feel like dealing with that. Sorry. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Native American tribe gets early access to, space, uh, to SpaceX's Starlink, and they say it's fast. The Ho tribe, a Native American tribe in Washington state, tweeted that it received access to SpaceX's Starlink network. Residents who previously had astonishingly slow internet speeds can now access remote learning and healthcare. Starlink is capable of deliver, delivering 100 megabits per second download speed at a latency below 30 milliseconds. It's not available to the public yet, but Elon Musk said, the company plans to start trials soon for residents based on the northern U.S. and possibly southern Canada. 
Yeah, that's pretty exciting. At first, it sounded like the speeds were slow, but as they connect more satellites together, the speeds seem to be getting faster and faster. And uh, it sounds really exciting, especially for more rural areas that don't have that kind of uh, internet access. And especially Native American tribes, they really are... They, they deal with a lot of poverty, a lot of other issues as well. Yeah. And I think having fast internet for them would definitely benefit them. Gotcha. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, do you think eventually we're just going to have a ring of satellites going around the Earth? It's possible, but from what I understand, those satellites can only handle so much traffic and then it starts slowing down. And so I think, like, here in cities like Charlotte, for example, we're probably going to continue to have cable internet yeah. or Google Fiber, something like that. It kind of reminds me of, uh, you ever watched the movie The Kingsman? I've not watched it. I've been wanting to watch it. Well, the plot of the movie is, like, the bad guy, he, like, he releases, like, this free cell phone SIM card. So it gives everyone on the planet free internet free phone free text and all that stuff i mean Mm -hmm. obviously there's a nefarious plan behind it but that's kind of like the setup to it so yeah keep your eyes on the elon musk character yep as you mentioned last week if uh something's free you're not paying for it oh yeah you are the product you are the product yeah but we don't pay for red circle however when we do make money from it they get a percentage everyone's gotta get their taste man and we haven't made money on red circle yet so lucky us (laughs) Waymo's robo-taxi service opens to the public in Phoenix, Arizona. Waymo is relaunching their fully automated robo-taxi ride-hailing service in Phoenix. This service will offer rides in unattended minivans to people within a 100-square-mile area of Phoenix. Passengers will need to use the Waymo app to book their rides. Waymo raised more than $3 billion earlier this year, mostly from outside investors. The vans are able to be monitored remotely and cleaned regularly. Passengers will also be reminded to keep masks on while inside these vehicles. The vans have a system which can flush the air from inside the vehicles between rides. There are no standards or safety regulations in this industry currently, as the U.S. Congress has not acted on proposals to create them. AI Restoration brings Apollo Moon Landing films up to speed. A YouTube channel, Dutch Steam Machine, run by a film restoration specialist in the Netherlands, shared remastered footage from the Apollo Moon Landing. The videos show show scenes from various lunar missions in sharp detail. An AI called Depth-Aware Video Frame Interpolation, or Dane, was used to stabilize the shaky footage, generate new frames, and increase frame rate. Dane is free and open source and available in Alpha. And we'll be right back after these messages on Joey's Totally Tech. you like the music and sound effects we're using on the Joey's Totally Tech podcast? Well, we get the licensing for this music through Epidemic Sound. 
If you're a content creator creating video on YouTube or other social media platforms, or a fellow podcaster, visit bit.ly slash JTT Epidemic. That's bit.ly slash JTT Epidemic. And you can sign up for a subscription for as little as $15 per month. They have a wide variety of genres of music, as well as sound effects you can incorporate into your content. You don't have to pay royalties, you just pay the monthly subscription fee. Or you can also buy lifetime licenses to particular tunes and effects too. So if you want to use some fresh music and help support this podcast too, check out bit.ly slash JTT Epidemic and sign up for Epidemic Sound today. Remember, we didn't leave if you signed up for the exclusives. Visit joeystorylytech.com slash exclusive and unlock the exclusives for $1.50 per week, $5 per month, or $50 per year. You'll get ad-free episodes, extended interviews, early episodes, and bonus content you won't find on the main feed. And now, let's get to the gaming news. AMD Radeon RX 6000 Performance AMD has been talking about their big Navi graphics card over the course of the year. Should we believe the hype? Using RDNA 2 as its base, Big Navi is featured in the next generation consoles from Sony and Microsoft and comes to the PC in the form of the Radeon RX 6000. It appears on Borderlands 3 and Gears 5. The new card performs about the same as an RTX 3080, which is quite impressive. NVIDIA is still in the lead with their RTX 3090, however the 3090 is really more like their old Titan class cards. So maybe we can finally say, well done for your graphics cards AMD, you're catching up to NVIDIA. Yeah, so I don't know if you keep up with the graphics card uh, competition (laughs) in PCs, but AMD has been kind of behind on uh, graphics for a little while. NVIDIA had been in the lead, though AMD started catching up with Navi just like they called up with Ryzen in the CPU market. Now okay. they're competing very well with Intel. Um, Intel also plans to get in the graphics card game soon. They're not there yet, but they're going to be releasing a GPU, I want to say, sometime in the next year or so. Right on, all right. Microsoft promises to get xCloud into the Apple App Store and get around the App Store rules with a browser-based app. Phil Spencer told his employees at an all-hands meeting on Wednesday that the company is bringing Game Pass to Apple's iPhone and iPad, targeting 2021 for the possible release of a, quote, direct browser-based solution, end quote. Spencer told employees, quote, we absolutely will end up on iOS, end quote, according to two people with direct knowledge of his comments. 
Neither Microsoft nor Apple have commented when media asked them about this. Apple's App Store rules make game streaming extremely difficult on iOS because they're unable to review each game in the services library. So you excited to play Xbox games on your phone? Uh, I mean, I don't play Xbox games right now, but I mean, it would be good. I, I think Apple's current uh, rules with the App Store just make it really difficult, almost impossible to do game streaming. And this could lose a lot of gamers on iPhones, though I don't know that any hardcore gamers or that many are using iPhones to play games. Uh, I mean, if you could access, I guess, you know, Xbox Series X level gaming on the go, you know. Right. I mean, as long as your internet speeds, you know, yeah. account for that. But. Yeah, but Apple could uh, lose customers because they make it so prohibitively difficult for game streaming services to exist on their platform. Yeah, kept, Apple's catching a lot of heat these days, huh? Yes, Sony's PS5 teardown reveals liquid metal for cooling. In a move normally left up to YouTubers to do, Sony's VP of Mechanical Design Department and Hardware Design Division, Yashihiro Utori, is seen doing a teardown of the upcoming PlayStation 5. He did the same thing seven years ago with the PlayStation 4. In the teardown, you'll see a blower-style cooling fan, an Ultra HD Blu-ray drive, and the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth drive. Around the five-minute mark, Atori pulls out the motherboard, sorry, pulls out the main board and shows the AMD APU at the heart of the console. This contains an 8-core Ryzen Zen 2 CPU and an AMD Radeon RDNA 2 based graphics. He also flipped the board around to show the 16 gigabytes of GD, uh, GDDR6 memory, which is circled around the APU. Also shown was the onboard SSD with Sony's custom solid-state drive controller, enabling lightning-fast loading times from the 825GB PCIe solid-state drive. The most surprising feature is at the 6-minute mark, Sony's using liquid metal between the APU and the cooling system. This will ensure the APU runs as cool as possible. The PlayStation 5 lands on November 12th for $499. Yeah, I know last time you were here, you were actually telling me about the video. I never got around to watching it, but... Uh, now I know it's using liquid metal, which I think is pretty cool. The only people I ever do know using liquid metal are like hardcore gaming PC enthusiasts. And that's really risky to do when you're building your own PC. So I'm kind of surprised Sony used it. Well, I think they're really concerned about like cooling a lot with this generation. Like the whole thing is just covered with vents. The freaking fan is huge and apparently it runs silent. And I got the liquid uh, liquid metal in the uh, chipset, so pretty good stuff. Yeah, the liquid metal is definitely going to help out with uh, the cooling for sure. Epic Games vs. Apple trial set for May 2021. The U.S. District Judge Yvonne Gonzalez Rogers set the trial date for Epic vs. Apple. This trial will begin May 3rd, 2021. Both sides have agreed to have the case decided by a judge and avoid a jury-led trial. Epic filed its lawsuit against Apple in August, accusing Apple of anti-competitive practices due to its 30% revenue cut and lack of support for direct payment methods controlled by the app developer rather than Apple. Apple says this is the case of Epic Games breaking App Store rules and voiding its iOS developer account access 
and other agreements with Apple. Potentially impacted is Unreal Engine, which many third-party developers rely on. Fortunately, Epic is allowed to continue updating and developing Unreal Engine for Apple platforms. Fortnite is still banned from the platform, however. A trial may not be the end of things, however, as we could see a lengthy appeals process which could keep this case circulating in the legal system for years. So it may be years before we see Fortnite on iOS again. So what do you think about the whole Apple versus Epic thing? Uh, well, I've made it clear I'm on Epic's side myself. I mean, I get that there's this contract, but Epic is not the only one dealing with this 30% fee. This 30% fee is actually something that comes from traditional retail stores back yeah. in the day. However, this is not a traditional retail store. They don't have the same overhead that a traditional retail store has. True. So they could lower that fee. And really, I know on Google you can download other app stores, though Google advises against it on Android. Yeah. iPhone, unless you jailbreak your iPhone, you can't do it. Yeah, pretty much. They want you locked in to Apple's ecosystem, which I think is very anti-competitive in my opinion. Yeah, that's the problem with, like, I guess late stage capitalism like when a company gets too big they kind of have the opportunity to kind of kind of set their own trends you know what i'm saying so obviously you know apple they're kind of the first one of the party as far as like downloading apps on your phone and things like that and then obviously you know they're kind of like the walmart of the app space it's like you know there's other places but you know no one's really making more money than walmart i guess amazon is kind of putting walmart away but as far as yeah. brick and mortar but yeah, yeah, I mean, I, 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 oh, go ahead. Well, I think Target at this point is probably making more than Walmart now. I'm not totally sure, but I think, I mean, Target just had a record-breaking Q2, so they they might be killing Walmart at this point. I know, Walmart has a new service coming out. Walmart Plus, have you seen this? Yes, yeah, so we've actually talked about it here, too. Oh, I must have missed that episode. No, you, you weren't part of the podcast yet. That's all good. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that seems pretty cool. It's like $98 a year, which is a weird number. Right. But it's, you can get anything from Walmart delivered to your house as long as it's over $35 total for yeah, free. That, so that's pretty awesome. I have it. Oh, is it good? Remember, we used it, Joey. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've used the delivery service. Yeah. Is it awesome? Yeah, because I don't have to walk up the steps to pay groceries. Sorry, you can edit the I don't know that the mic picked you up, so. Yeah. I feel like I can, I can hear it inside the headphones. So. I could too. I would never. All right, but now we will edit that out. <laughs> and that does it for the gaming news, and it's time to move on to space and science. Scientists successfully extract DNA from insects embedded in the tree resin for the first time. Oh my god, this is how we get to Jurassic Park. We should not be doing this. When small animals are trapped in tree resin, their soft tissues start to decay immediately. Most of the DNA is lost before it's encapsulated and preserved. Any remaining DNA is usually destroyed over time as the resin's compounds react with it. 
but a recent study showed that fragile bits of DNA still exist in samples of beetles two to six years after the beetles were preserved in resin. They found most common methods of studying DNA aren't effective for use with DNA from resin samples, and some techniques destroyed the DNA inside the resin. Scientists are going to use the techniques from the study to examine other resin-embedded insects to determine how long DNA survives in that environment. Okay, good. We may not have a Jurassic Park scenario after all. What if they mix it with frog DNA, though? Frog DNA? I don't know. The Tasmanian devils have been reintroduced to the Australian wild. Conservation groups released 26 Tasmanian devils into a large sanctuary north of Sydney, Australia. These creatures get their name from their high-pitched squeal. They're known for fighting over animal carcasses with jaws strong enough to crush and grind bones. This 1,000-acre sanctuary is fenced in the group's hope to release some of the creatures into an unfenced area into the future. Fewer than 25,000 Tasmanian devils exist in the wild after a deadly mouth cancer drastically cut their numbers in the 1990s. Another 40 are planned to be released into the sanctuary over the next two years. Yeah, I'm glad to see that uh, species on the rebound, it looks like. Hopefully. Hopefully nothing bad happens to them. Hopefully they'll uh, they'll stop dipping tobacco, too. <laughs> Hopefully. Just say no, kids. Right, right. Yeah, don't dip tobacco. Yeah. NASA is testing the first of its new moonwalking space suits. The Exploration Extravehicular Mobility Unit, or XEMU, I assume that's pronounced ZEMU, is a new type of spacesuit designed to protect astronauts from the harsh environment of the lunar surface. NASA plans to use these suits in 2024 for its Artemis mission, the design is being tested at an underwater facility that can mimic different levels of gravity. Lunar spacewalks have different requirements from orbital excursions, so a new type of spacesuit is required. How you say about the new spacesuits, Joey? Um, I mean, it doesn't affect my life personally. However, I am interested in space travel, because I'm a big Star Trek fan, actually. And, you know, I do find it interesting that they're making these advances that so that one day we could get further into space travel, get to other planets, other moons, etc. And I think each step along the way, no matter how small, is a step in the right direction. And we've only been to the moon one time. We should probably go a few more times at least. You only been to the moon once? Yeah, only once. Well, I mean, as far as people landing on the moon. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know it was only one time. Huh? Yeah. Have you ever been to the moon? I haven't. I've never been. <laughs> Most of us haven't. <laughs> I almost really made a cheese. <laughs> uh, yeah, people used to believe that. Uh, yeah. I mean, everyone knows the whole moon landing was a hoax, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and wow, that was a lot less space and science news than we normally have, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, true, but we do have a little extra news. Tech news and commentary will be moving its episodes to Friday. That's right. We'll be releasing the week's tech news on Fridays at 8 a.m. for your drive to work. Or maybe you want to check out the tech news on your weekend warrior trips, too. So, 
Note that change in the schedule. This has been Joey Cagle. And I've been Antonio Guerra. And we will catch you next time.